Let's do it. All right. All right. Welcome, everyone. Or bonjour. Should I say bonjour? Bonjour. To another episode of <laughs> That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. And we're happy to be with you again this week. Real quick before anything else, I want to do a shout out to our newest patron, Miss Kelly uh, Quadracci. Very I think good. you're pronouncing it right. Yes, uh, Kelly, think, yeah, sure. Quadracci, uh, newest patron. Thank you so much, Kelly, for becoming a patron. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And you too can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And for as little as a dollar a month, it's just a way to support. Uh, if you like the podcast, you listen to it. Just a little way to support us. You get That's a little, right. you, you get a little shout out. You get some. Uh, I send out a little newsletter, and it's just you know. So it's a way to support us. So uh, yeah, Patreon uh, com forward slash trgmh. Uh, and until we one- found out that it was illegal, there were giveaways. But you know, yeah, were, but we have but uh, we have a new way of do- I, I, we have a new way of doing it, and just they're boy, you know, they just they're out to spoil whatever fun we try and have, right? Uh, they, it seems to be now it's just, everyone's just intent on spoiling our fun, which, uh, <laughs> by the way, Barry, I keep forgetting to ask you, but do, do the cats ask about me at all? Do the cats miss me? No. <laughs> Since if you don't, you don't, if you don't, you don't have a cat, right? So I wish no, cats, I cat are, cats, you know, cats are very interested in, in whoever's paying attention to them. Exactly. So I'm dead to them now because I haven't been there. It's not so even that. Them. It's not even. It's like you never existed. So it's not even dead. It's like I could relate. It's like I could you relate. Never, you were not part of the universe anymore because you're not All in right. there paying attention to them. All right. Now and uh, speaking of someone, now we have someone that is still part of the universe That's because right. he is our guest tonight. Uh, who is our special guest tonight, Barry? Tony Christie um, from Orlando, Florida. Hi, Tony. Hey. Hey, Barry. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank are you, you so? Are you 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 and Barry met in Orlando, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are you still in Orlando? Are you still are you in Orlando now? Yeah, I'm here now. I, I was gone for self. I, mean, I lived in Portland, Oregon for a while, and uh, you know other places I've been, New York, and. But, oh, okay, yeah. but I you were brought by the yeah, siren, really the uh, siren call of Orlando. Just you well, couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm from actually Polk County, Florida, which is like I was born in Winter Haven, and yeah, grew up in, in Central Florida. So okay, so you went yeah. home. I'm a Central Floridian by birth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Tony's, well, you know, Tony's parents had a beloved Greek restaurant in uh, Winter Haven. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it was actually, it, it, I don't know, it, it was sort of more of a, it, it, my dad had just very, very sort of more of a continental, he called it called continental cuisine, and he didn't really sort of Greek <laughs> food per se, but, you know. You know, I mean, whenever. He, he had a few dishes on there, but, uh, yeah. It, okay. I'd always, I mean, whenever. You know, Whenever I'd go to Orlando, I'd always seek out the uh, continental cuisine of Orlando. It was yeah. very... Uh... Right. Yeah, well, he opened up in the 50s, so you got to imagine what it was like in Polk County in the 50s. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, it wasn't like you could really serve anything that was any... any, any Exotic at all, no. It would be yeah. just... Yeah, I didn't realize that, I guess because... I never got to go and eat at your parents' restaurants. I just yeah. assumed it was. I, I, I guess there, you know, there was probably a Greek flavor. You never ate. You never ate in Tony's parents' restaurant. What's the matter with you? No, somehow I missed the experience of going to. Uh, going to Christie's. Didn't, we, didn't we rehearse there once? Uh? Uh, that's possible, but we. I don't think there was any food on offer. I think maybe. No, just, no. All right, so Tony, you just answered my question. If you oh, were one Susan, of Barry's. Susan comes up and says we did go there one time. 
it's just yeah. so uh-huh. long ago that it, so so you you worry i was gonna ask if you were a musician like a friend of barry's if you played in bands too so what uh what 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 well, orlando band were you in um the first band I was in was called Gree uh, uh, Gree, and it was with another person and uh, uh, Robert Pauls. And then I did a band called Operation Bell Bottoms with uh, Robert and Nadim Khan. I know. Uh-huh. I've heard of Operation. Dead. I've heard of Operation Bell yeah, Bottoms on this. You mentioned on the show. <laughs> yeah. So we were around from like uh, we formed in '81, and I think we broke up in '82. And uh, then uh, I was in other bands, uh, Bad Afro Experience, uh, St. Moist, Bad Afro Experience. And uh, Turkish Gravity Bus. Turkish Gravity Bus, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah Turkish right. Gravity Bus. Which was the band Tony and I were in together for, uh, I don't yeah. know, that went on for a, a year or so, something like that. Right, right, exactly. So right. Then, nice. Yeah. So did you, now, all right, so let's get into the record. What is the, because you brought us a very unusual record for an Orlando, for an Orlando, uh, you know, scenester guy, uh, band yeah. guy. This is not the record that I would say, because it's, frankly, it's not a record I've ever heard of in my life. But really? what is, what, what are you well, really, are you surprised that that's only really? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> you know, it's odd because Operation Bell Bottoms, you know, we, we, uh, our sound was premised a lot on on uh, sort of a downtown New York sound and, and uh, really more uh, kind of closely related to sort of like the 9-9 record sound, which was, you know, a label that was owned by a Ballman. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to New York a lot in the late 70s and early 80s. My mom had a friend up there and I stayed with her and she had an apartment on the Upper West Side, but I used to go downtown a lot. And uh, so I would go to like, um, I would go to these clubs like Tier 3, Hurrah, and other various clubs. So I was kind of exposed to sort of like a lot of like odd sort of music in the late 70s and early 80s that wasn't typical of a Central Floridian. Yeah. Okay. So, so, that so what is this record? Uh, you haven't mentioned. What's the record we're talking about tonight? Lizzie, uh, it, it, it's Press Color uh, by Lizzie Mercier de Cleur. I, you know, I'm not very good at pronouncing. Barry does it really good. How well, do you say it, Barry? I, I said Lizzie Mercier de Clos. But I could okay, be wrong, too. I, you know, I, it's all, we're shots in the dark here with the French pronunciation. Yeah, so. yeah. Right. But we could do the British thing, which is to... To annoy the French, they pronounce it very literally. So Lizzie Mercier Descloaks or Descloaks, they would, they would say That's it in I the most pronounce. irritating way possible to the French. Right. I don't know. I, I feel like nothing's more irritating than the correct French pronunciation, but that's just me. Um, all right. So this was released in 1979 by uh, Z Records. Z Records. Z, yeah. yeah, ZE Records. Uh, so when did you, so did you, is this something you came across in one of your New York visits? No, actually, oddly enough, uh, I, I, I've been in New York a few times and I, I never saw her play, but I did see the Contortions play. Ooh. And, in, in like 79 so i was aware of them so i knew about z and there was a record store in orlando and, and i and i know barry knows it it was uh i think it was called specs was it Specs? no not specs uh east west east west, east west. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and they had copies of like you know they had like stuff on z so they had like uh, the contortions and, and press color by lizzie so i picked it up when i was in uh in college you know and uh 
uh, so it was around 79 when I actually picked it up and uh, uh, mesmerized, completely mesmerized by it and drawn in. Uh, and it actually was the reason I picked up the bass. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I, because Tony, I should mention that the probably the first time I met Tony, or the first time I saw Tony was at the infamous Operation um, Bell Bottom gig with Nadim, which we've heard all heard that story several times of him emerging from behind the drum kit and punching out an a, an onstage interloper. Uh, oh yeah, right, right, and, yeah. Uh, but then also Billy Taylor and I would go down to uh, WPRK. They had the radio station there, and Tony was a DJ, and the Demon Tony would be in there. We'd knock on the window and sneak in, and they would be playing in Orlando, you know, yeah. the unlikely place to be, all this kind of cool stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we were doing a lot of, like, I was doing, I was playing uh, a lot of post-punk, you know, uh, you know, Slits, uh, pop group, uh, you know. Cool uh, stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and and so that sort of was a part. Of, you know, the Lizzie thing was sort of a part of that. Exactly, and I think I first heard the Lizzie record at Nadim's house. He had it and really? put it on and played that. You know, it's for me. It's that you know the first thing I heard was that Mission Impossible theme, and it just yeah. you just like, oh crap, this is really yeah. this is really good, and so yeah. that stuck with me forever. You know. Yeah, 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 and, and, and a lot of. The, about her history I didn't know at the time I I was kind of aware of like her presence in the New York scene but and I read articles about her back in the early 80s and I kind of knew of it in retrospect I've kind of found out a lot more about her yeah me too actually Um, recently I read that went through the uh, even just like there was a there's a couple of articles about her which went through her history and I had no idea that she was kind of sort of entwined with that New York scene you know with uh, dated Richard Hell for a while and obviously Patti Smith you know was aware of her she she uh, and then uh, um, but then with her partner, Michael Esteban, she uh, established this store called Harry Cover, which was sort of like the uh, punk store in France. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, the, probably like the sex, like Malcolm McLaren's sex store in, uh, in uh, London. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Harry Cover was in France. And then, yeah, and then she would go to... Um, she would go to New York a lot, and she struck up. Uh, and also, when uh, when they would go to France, like Patti Smith, Richard Dell, so like you said, she struck up uh, friendships with them. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think she was. She, a, I think she was a real character. I think that you know, based on what. Oh, I, I'm sure you could tell from this thing she was a character. And she moved to New York in '77. Uh, That's when uh, her and this Esteban guy actually moved to New York, and then she met Michael uh, Zilka. Uh, and then with him, that's who she formed uh, the Z Records with this guy, Michael uh, Zilka. Yeah, right. And, and one thing I want to say is that, like, if she moved to New York at such an opportune time because you got to think about it. I mean, and I know you know this, Barry, is, is that was sort of like the the year oh, before, yeah. sort of like the No Wave yeah, sort of right. Place, it was bubbling sort of, under. It was bubbling yeah. under. Right. Because that so record, she, that No Wave came, that album came out in 78, I think, maybe? Or, the Rosie Yemen? Yeah, the Rosie Yemen did, yeah. Yeah. The Rosie Yemen did. The one prior to Press Color came out in 78. That was, an, it was sort of an EP on, on Z. Yeah. That's the one, that's the one that's, uh, uh, yeah, that... Okay, now what, what, uh, what, 
um, characterizes this, I, I, I realized she was part of that whole no wave music, and I've heard other, I've heard the contortions in that, but this, to me, it sounds more like the what was coming up in the new wave stuff. Like, I hear talking heads, I hear a little B-52's Blondie in some of this stuff, you know? So, I don't know, uh, what what makes it more of the no wave? Aside from, there is a little more experimental stuff going on, obviously. I, I yeah, I mean, I think that, I don't really think that uh, everybody, you know, I read articles and they say, well, it's a no wave record, but it, it, to me, it's not at all a no wave record. I mean, it, to me, yeah, it's, okay, okay, it's it's very much sort of post no wave. I mean, right. yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not as cacophonous. I mean, the Rosa Yemen stuff, you know, and, it, and I know that you're gonna, I think we're gonna play a couple of those tracks, but yeah, sure. <laughs> The Rosa Yemen stuff was the year before, and, and that to me signifies a little more of a connection with the no wave scene. Right. It's still not. Um, it still it, doesn't have that really. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it's a lot more melodic. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not as it's, well melodic. I don't know, but I mean, well, it's compared just, to like <laughs> Mar, compared to like Mars or DNA. Compared to Mars and DNA, yeah, exactly. Which are really just harsh and abrasive sounding. Right. Back. But yeah. some of that, yeah. But some of that stuff I've listened to, and it and it's cool. I don't know the the thing this. Uh, it didn't I'm gonna be honest nothing it really grabbed me aside from the fact that a lot of it she's singing French or she's got that thick French accent which some of it I can't help it just reminds me of like a Saturday night uh, SNL sketch or something where they're like putting upon someone with an overly French accent or something and it's this weird music you know well here's the thing though you gotta understand though that that she's a, she was a poet right and and so she was into Rimbaud. And, and I'm and, and what I'm hearing, like, and I've kind of thought about this is particularly on on the uh, well on the press color as well is I'm hearing sort of more sound poetry. I'm hearing her yeah. like play with words and and do something different, you know. And that's yeah. what I think. That's what that's what drew me in because I was never really, you know, and I, I you know, I'm not really a, a, a lyrically sort of. Um, how can I put it? <laughs> or it's, I, I don't. It's about the music. Know. It's more about the music. You're not, yeah. Music. A lot it's of people, music. yeah, a lot of people come on the show and say that same thing. They're not really yes. much of the lyrics people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with, for me, it was sort of like that. And I didn't know what I know now about data and, you know, sound poetry and all that stuff, but I can appreciate in retrospect that what she was doing on, on press color was really guttural and, 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 and reflected a lot of those, you know, those traditions, the, the Dada tradition and, and, you know, sound poetry that came out, a lot of it came out of France. Yeah. So he was probably exposed to that stuff. Yeah. On some level. And, in, and, and actually after a while, her the way she sings and the way she sort of talks sings, that yeah. became um, an issue and actually sort of fractured her musical relationship um, with the, the, Z, the Z guy yeah. because yeah. they thought that she could actually sing. They know, they actually, they, I'm sure they, they actually were certain that she could sing in a more traditional way and she mm-hmm. simply didn't want to and so she made a few records after this and then you know they, they yeah. split over the fact that they wanted her to sing more normally and she wanted to be listening. I listen I actually listened to the, some of the next one Mambo Nassau right. which I actually I enjoyed I actually enjoyed that more but and it's, also it's Barry album. I love that record I it, it's really good and actually Barry do you know there's a Chris uh, Blackwell uh, I feel like we mentioned Chris Blackwell like yeah, every yeah, he came up, he, up a lot. He bankrolled the sessions in the Bahamas for that uh, album. Yeah, uh, yeah Chris, I, I, I've mentioned it before, uh, but uh, the, my my connection with Chris Blackwell is uh, in the '90s. My band, the Holy Terrors, we did a. Uh, 
we played us and two other bands did, did a showcase for Chris Blackwell and the guy that put it together uh, Joe Galdo was a really cool guy that worked for Chris like an A&R for Chris Blackwell put it together and he, he made a point of telling me that Chris didn't didn't like any of the bands but he really didn't like me <laughs> so yeah that's the yeah. I guess that's a point of honor yeah, well, you know, hey. Uh, all right, so and, Rob, and, 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 and one thing you should know is this: is that this record kind of grows on you over time. The first you, you, you listen to it, and it can kind of come across as um, a little bit just because it's minimal. There's a there's a sort of a minimal aspect to it. But its charms grow the more you listen to it, and I'll also put that out there. I too. like. I will say I like the second, uh, the later songs in it. I started enjoying it more. The, the beginning of it sort of set the tone of me not liking it. The first like three or four songs. <laughs> well, the first so, song is a disco. The first song is a disco song. Yeah, it is, which sort of threw me off. But let's get Lydia. Let's get into it. It's a cover, which is, I mean, it's kind of cool that they took. She took the uh, crazy world of Arthur Brown song Fire and made it a uh, basically like a throw disco song but let's uh let's get into the first track it's it's the cover of fire sort of um, Giorgio Moroder yeah. influence in there because it's it's going to be difficult for um, anyone to get if you're going to do a disco song in 79 you're going to have to contend with the fact that Giorgio Moroder has you know put out that sound is is uh, quite infectious yeah Although it seems like on this, they're doing it with... Uh, I don't hear any synthesizers. I think it's just a guitar that's doing it, but they're imitating that pulsing synth sort of sound yeah. and the and the bass, you know, the octave bass thing. Definitely, uh, you know... Yeah, well, I think yeah. I, I think most of the record, it seems like it's more uh, analog instruments. I don't even know if they're synth. It's like keyboards. But it's also hard to tell because um, they're all like her. There's... Uh, Lizzie, and then there's DJ Barnes and Eric Eliason, and they're all they're all credited with uh, guitar and bass and percussion. So it's hard to know who's playing what. Well, well, well on that track, let me just back up. Okay, so on that track, the those were all studio musicians. The, I, I I think they brought in like oh, they brought okay. in, they brought in disco players. <laughs> okay, for that track because they were trying to. This was pushed. I remember when this 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 twelve inch. It was a twelve inch, and, and and they were trying to push it on the dance floor, and they were trying sure. to make money off. I could see that. And yeah, I could see that. And Z, you know, Z was a, was it was a label that had was like it was a it was a dance label. I mean, and, and they 
and even though they try to sort of give you know they were allowing liberties and you know with with their with the artists but I think that th- this track was the one that they were sort of going sure. for. It and on. if you can, and there yeah. is actually a performance on French television with her um, just sort of solo lip syncing to this uh, oh, yeah. and dancing to this track. I missed that. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty, you know what? Um, nobody ever asked me to go out and do that. So uh, I have to. <laughs> I would see, I would watch that. I, I just, I get the sense she didn't feel really, I mean, my sense yeah. is like what I've read. She didn't feel real comfortable doing no. this track. But, well, know, that's it. I mean, I noticed, and I noticed she even took liberties with the vocal, like with the lyrics, like she like cut it. Like I, I was looking at the original lyrics, and she like chopped them up a lot, you know, and just sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kind of there was sort of half, half, kind of half-assed yeah. a little bit. And that's and that's pretty <laughs> much it for disco on the record, because then after this, it just goes, you know, it's more of the like I said, like the new wavy sounding type stuff. So um, let's go into the the second song, which that, that's it. Like I said, no more disco. Uh, let's listen to Torso Corso. She likes that that sort of spy, the sort of spy music feel. Obviously, as the next track will uh, demonstrate that that was an important part of her. Um, you know, especially in this period, it's got that. Um, uh, and and Rob, you know, this was we, you've heard other things like this, but it's entirely possible that this was at the forefront of the things that sounded like this. So this well, is... Well, I, I did notice, even on the first song, I do notice sometimes uh, she sounds kind of like Bjork. So I'm thinking Bjork might have heard uh, some of the, just when she's not, not the singing part, but more of like the speaking, uh, the way she talks and everything. I definitely yeah. hear some Bjork. Sure. You know what? I, I mean, I think, I think you know, I, I, when I hear her vocals, I mean, her, her lyrical stabs. And so I think Kleenex, because, you know, yeah. it, it preceded it. And and they were doing sort of the same thing. I mean, vocally, because they they were trying. You know, they they were the Swiss, and so they didn't speak English. And so yeah, you know, it was kind of that sort of taking liberties with the English language. And, and I have, you know. I, frankly, it's the track is called Torso Corso. I I don't know what she's saying. Yeah. I don't have any idea. No, and I don't either. I, that's the thing. I don't know what she's saying, but it really doesn't matter because I'm hearing her voice. And she's like a voice as instrument. Yeah, she may not even be speaking French. Even a French person may not even know what she's I saying. Think it's French. I get the feeling that it's probably <laughs> French, but I don't know that the that it's that significant. What she's saying, it's more. That's right. It's the sound poetry. It's sound the sound poetry, of it yeah. over the uh, over the uh, yeah. um, the the, the uh, 
minimalist, and there's some really interesting sort of keyboard stab. I think there is a That's keyboard in there. That's what I was going to say, yeah. The keyboard yeah, yeah, stabs, yeah. like those A-stone stabs, think, it makes me think of the contortions. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and Eight-Eyed Eight Spy was around, too, Eight so Spy, yeah. obviously she yeah. would have been and, you know, see that stuff, so. But in we mar- sh- in, uh, DNA and that sort of thing, yeah. yeah. exactly. But yeah. There's should- a lot of, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of instrumentals on there, and this is the first one here, and this is the uh, the very cool. This one's got a lot of cool percussion on it, and also guitar percussion, I think, Barry, because there's a lot yeah, of w- sure. whacking, whacking across well, the strings her, of the guitar. That's right? Lizzie. I think Lizzie's guitar playing was fairly rudimentary, and right, a lot of times right. what she was adding was sort of a percussive. Uh, so what, are, what we're gonna play now? The the, uh, the first version of Mission Impossible on this. <laughs> that's right. Sounds pretty good uh, on the dance floor as well. Um, yeah, I was going to say they should have probably not worried about the disco thing and just d- tried to get that as to be a dance floor uh, song. Yeah, um, and it's the triangle. Is the there's a there's a little triangle hit in there that's the perfect um, uh, um, sort of uh, accompaniment to that sound. They hit that they hit the triangle uh, right on the one, and it's it just sounds fantastic. And there's a you can hear it in stereo. There's the uh, the hi hats going is is going back and forth between the left and the right channel. So you know what I want to tell you. You know one thing I want to mention is that uh, uh, the, the the sound engineer uh, for this record was Bob Lank, and Bob Lank was a brilliant sound engineer, and he he did a lot of he little he did a lot of dance music, but um, he he had a signature sort of way of approaching sound. I mean. If you listen to some of his other uh, productions, he, 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 there's some clarity there in terms of like what you're talking about. Yeah, Barry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just sounds to me. It's just very. It's a very appealing and uh, um, just rhythmically uh, uh, driving sound. And there's also is it is I never even thought about the fact is that an actually like a an oboe or something playing that melody or is it a keyboard? I, never, I think it's a keyboard. I probably, it's probably a keyboard. I, 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 just till right now, it never occurred to me to even work, think it's about it. It's not credited. Yeah, there's no horns credited on the record, so it probably is a keyboard. Yeah. I mean, compared to the original, if you listen to the original, and, yeah. and the original is pretty like, I don't know, to me, I was listening to the original recently and it's like, it's kind of very kind of sleepy sounding compared to this. Yeah, <laughs> this mean, one's got, this one's got the, got the goods. It. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got the goods. It's got the goods, yeah, no doubt. 
And uh, so the next track is where she, um, she her confession about her Addresses singing. The fact, yeah, yeah, that she's not a traditional, air quotes, traditional singer. Yeah, that's this right. This is No Golden Throat. Fast forward a couple of years, and the textures uh, um, for, uh, from that are um, very much heard and maybe picked up by um, the Tom Tom Club, Genius of Love, mm-hmm. and also some of those that guitar sound and those textures. Um, the um, yep. David Byrne and his uh, his uh, he, he did a soundtrack for um, Twilight, the Catherine Wheel, a Twilight Tharp. Uh, dance yeah. production and there's a lot of this kind of so now of course Talking Heads were already you know they were in the New York scene and they could have yeah. she could have very well heard them and be responding to that but as well I, I kind of get the sense though that like that she was into already like into sort of like South African West African yeah, well, that's right that's yeah because yeah. that's in there for, for sure but definitely you could she's into the world music thing and she's just bringing yeah. in a, a lot of this has a sort of a thrown off feel to me which I guess is uh, kind of the point and kind of the case yeah. that it's just kind of like you know Casual. whatever yeah 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 casual and whatever whim like whatever whim she wants to explore they're just going to explore it and which is a very art, artsy thing to do yeah, but, and a very no way of thing to do and I think that kind of separated her from like the sort of like the, the you know the no way the no way of scene and sort of that that sort of um, that attitude that was yeah the nihilism and sort of like you know uh you know, let's make a point of this. And she was sort of like, you know, like you said, whimsical about it. And, right. You know, it was yeah. I mean, Mars, you European. know. Right. Yeah. Very much a more. Definitely. Yeah. The, you know, some of the people from Mars were, you know, living in Alphabet City and junkies and stuff. And this is. Lydia she, Lunch. I think Lydia Lunch knows that group. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- this is definitely <laughs> has a different. It has. A, and it has a reggae feel. But you're right. It also. And later on, not that much later on, she goes to South Africa to make an album. Right. And uh, <clears throat> these those sounds are from you know definitely South African pop music those guitar sounds. Um, yeah. So she's you know they've Absolutely. been to the they've been to the interesting record store as well. All right. So now this next no, one. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, what were you saying? No, I wonder if she wasn't exposed to that in France. I mean, yeah. even before she came to the U.S. You know? Probably. That, that's the other. That seems yeah. more likely because yeah. there's probably a lot more likelihood of it being available there in the mid you know to late 70s than there would right. be here right. yeah for sure yeah. so do do either of you know this next song Jim on the Move it's credited again to Schifrin Lala which is Schifrin. Yeah. It's, another, it's a Mission Impossible it's, a, it's from the Mission Impossible 
it is. It's, it it's, is. it's, yeah, it's sure. part of the suite, the Mission Impossible suite. <laughs> Indeed. So she, she obviously, really likes... she's a fan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, surprise, here's some more. Let's listen to a little bit of Jim on the move. Along with her um, singing, which I, the original, if you listen to the, the mission, there's no no one's saying Jim on the move on the Mission Impossible version. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. So who do you guys think Jim is? Is it because the, the Jim drummer? Mission Impossible. No, it's Jim. For, it's 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 uh, okay. It's, it's the, actually called uh, the song is called Jim on the move. Jim on the move, and it's in Mission Impossible. They use it whenever Jim was like. Oh, Jim is on the move. The, I get it. I get it. That's the beauty of it. It's like how many ways can you say the title of the record? Meta. It, it is. It is meta. It's very meta. And let's. Yeah. All right. Let's. But let's, hold on. Yeah. But in the you can hear her singing and but in the middle also right there lined up with her singing is her very quirky noisy sort of rattly guitar playing that's going on there so you've got this melodic background which seems very up tempo and you know and and sweet but then right there under her vocals are is this like scratchy pluck guitar which is a lot more more like arto Lindsay than it is like you know I like the the plunky guitar playing is like one of my favorite things on this record is the the plunky guitar parts, which some of it reminds me. Let's let's do one more before we go to the break. Let's okay. listen to the next one, which is sort of like a new wavy instrumental, uh, but it reminds me of something. Let's listen to a little bit of Wawa. So Barry, some of this instrumental stuff reminds me a little of Love Tractor. Yeah, okay, but I can tell you also where this where this comes from, or at least whether this comes from there or that that comes from this. The Ray Beats put on an album called Guitar Beat, and uh, Pat Irwin was the guitar player for the Ray Beats. And the first Ray Beats album, Guitar Beat, Guitar Beat, 
has this same sound where there's um it's a uh, surf music but it's atonal surf music and uh i just heard that now i was like wow this is just like guitar beat by the ray beats and um it's it's cool it's uh um it's it's that new it's a new york you know it was what was happening in new york at the time because i think that ray beats record came out in 79 or or early 80s something like that and we listened to the shit out of that because it was a really great record yeah cool. i mean I, I i feel like but you know what i'll say this though i mean i think that some of those guitar parts and i know she was playing with didier uh, Esteban, and I don't know much about him. Other, you know, I know he played on a few of her records, but right. I kind of, I kind of sense that there's a sort of, um, there's a French sort of thing going on here too, rhythmically, and that they had a sound as well. Yeah, and, and, and I still think it's kind of influenced by some sort of African. That well, it, sure, yeah, sure know, it could be, yeah. Sort of it, it was kind of it, it's sort of a fusion. I, I agree with you. Yeah, and I don't know. If there's, well, I don't know that. I don't know, I, I don't know who heard who. That's the thing. You know, unless you yeah. were there, there's all right. these people that were around that had guitars that were, you know, right. th- this guitar sound that was there in New York in that time, and right. sort of specific to that time and that that uh, uh, that vicinity. Hard to yeah. say. You know, it was in the water that whatever they were drinking. You yeah. know. <laughs> It's quirky, and I mean, the thing about it is, though, it's it, it's moving, and, and I think when people talk about mutant disco, yeah, you know, I think this is kind of what they're talking about. Yeah, it, it, it's danceable, like you can move to it, right? But it's not like a four-four kind of, you no. know, straightforward. Definitely, that's a good. Uh, that's a good description. Yeah, yeah. But one thing that's really interesting about this record that I got to bring up that I that it blew me away was that the guy who played drums on this record. Was this guy by the name of um, Jimmy Young? Jimmy Young, yeah, right. And he was like a, he was like a, just a very straightforward disco. I mean, he he he'd been a drummer on a lot of different tracks for like twenty years, you know. The, wow. Prior to the, and, and you know was uh, Vicky Sue Robinson and a lot of disco records, and so he actually had to conform to what they were doing. So I got that. <laughs> What he was able to do with, you know. Well, yeah, because you figure, uh, you know, like this studio guy shows up and you got to figure this scene. It's he's got to be a little like, wow, who are these people? Exactly. And what am I doing here? You know, Exactly. we've we've seen that a lot on the show, though. Studio musicians like rising to the occasion, though. That's that comes up on a lot of records, though, where they use these studio guys and they end up doing like a great job, you know, because, uh, you know, know, if the studio guy is into it, then they can bring whatever expertise. And they're probably, you know, they're they're good musicians, but they're also maybe have an open mind for doing different things, which is uh, which is what you need. And and, and you know what? Face it. Lizzie was an attractive woman. She's very, she's very, so, you know, there's, there's that. All right, let's take a, let's take a little break. Uh, I didn't even ask what you guys are drinking uh, tonight. What, what are we, what are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm drinking a Tempranillo. There you go. Sort of like, sorry, no. Excuse me? What is that? <laughs> Red, wine. Red wine. Tempranillo. It's a uh, nice. Red wine, man. Barry, you'll be very proud of me. I, I wrote, in the spirit of the occasion, I, I was gonna, instead of making a Moscow mule, I looked up a recipe for a French mule. Ooh. So I'm drinking a French mule. What's in a French mule? It's it's basically a Moscow mule, but then you add a contro, orange contro, yeah, con- yeah, 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 and a little bit of orange as well as lime. That sounds and good. Well, you know, delicious, and you still put the vodka in it, and it's uh, delicious. 
I uh, before I was rushing, so I ran into the kitchen, got my green glass with some ice in it, dumped it half full of vodka, and then put it a little bit of orange juice go. in there. And I'm still drinking that. So that's your uh, quarantine drink. All right. So let's uh, let's take a break. We will come back with more of uh, Lizzie. Blah, 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 Lizzie Mercier. Uh, <laughs> Tony Christie. And, uh, Tony Christie. And we'll be back in a minute with more of that. Where you got me high. That record got me high, is, as always, pleased to be sponsored by the long-running satirical webcomic, Is This Tomorrow, Is This Tomorrow, breaks it down for you into little digestible bits, like a cookie, or a cracker, or a biscuit for horses, which leads awkwardly, but inexorably to, a new money-making venture, a joint effort between Is This Tomorrow, and various shadowy underworld organizations including several government entities. That's right. It's Live Pari Mutual. All. Hoof. Horse. Boxing on pay-per-view. Each week between the hours of 4 and 7 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, it's this. Tomorrow, brings you horses with boxing gloves on all four hooves. Not one. Not two. Not three. Four hooves. Each horse is given a clever nickname, and vie for a bucket of carrots. It's like MMA but with gloves, and horses, and a bucket of carrots. The excitement will have you on the edge of your seat. Betting starts one hour before each week's match, and announcers Woody Compton and Kelly Shane bring you all of the ringside action from a secure web stream. Don't miss out on this adrenaline-filled spectacle. It's Mr. Ed vs. Trigger. No holds barred. No bridles. No saddles. Just two wild animals beating the crap out of each other with gloved hooves. Get your secure wagering account and sign up for updates at isthistomorrow.com. Isthistomorrow.com. That's isthistomorrow.com. Are you guys ready to get back into this? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Are we rolling? Yeah, but I didn't even turn it off, so it's it's all, all in right. Whatever you guys said is fodder now. <laughs> all right. All right. Welcome, everyone. We're back with That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we were talking to Tony Christie about a record that, that got him high. This, You know, I feel like this is a record that you put on... Uh, at a party, if you put it on a party, invariably someone would go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those records. Well, that's all the, all the records <laughs> that, all, all the records we listened to in Orlando at that time period were those records. <laughs> right, right. What the fuck is this that, record? That was the, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah, criteria. That's, kind of well, that's good. <laughs> um, you know, we should, we haven't mentioned, but we should mention that Lizzie uh, is no longer with us. She, oh, that's in true. the in, in the mid-90s, she moved to... Corsica and devoted herself to painting and to writing an unpublished novel. In 2003, she was diagnosed with ovarian and colon cancers and she died the following year, 2004. Yeah, that's right. Another interesting thing that I found out that I didn't know, obviously, I didn't know about her at all, but uh, a fellow, a label mate of hers on Z uh, was Christina. 
who I, her full name was Christina Monet Zilka, but she went by the stage name Christina. And she uh, was uh, manic great in the, uh, in the, her 84 album, Sleep It Off is amazing. She made with a, a Don Was produced it, uh, and yeah. this girl Christina. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, and in uh, 2004 re-release of that album, Sleep It Off, she uh, dedicated a song to uh, Lizzie, Mercier yeah. uh, Decoy. Yeah. I guess she was an influence. But here's a ironic thing: Christina just died in New York on March 31st at the wow. age of 64 after oh, testing man. positive for oh, COVID-19. Are you serious? I, I am serious as a heart attack. You believe that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, it's great, and that's a great album. Uh, so yeah, another more 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 tragedy here at uh, <laughs> that record. Got you don't me have high. to look far. Tony and I had actually discussed um, it, him doing uh, like doing. There's like a Z Records, like there's some um, compilations of Z Records stuff. There's a lot of really cool stuff that they did over the years that. Um, it's certainly worth uh, exploring. So maybe next time, Tony, we'll do it. Nothing else in French. Can't be in French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So ironically, this next song, because of what uh, what she ended up passing from, it is uh, ironic. She did. It's yeah. the uh, Little Willie John song "Fever." But she substitutes yeah. the word tumor for yeah. fever. Let's I, have listen a, to I have, a, I have a, an explanation for that as well. All right. Well, let's listen to it. Okay. Ooh, I think I'm getting a tumor. Ooh, I feel the tumor coming out. Never know how much I love you. Never know how much I care. When you put your arms around me, I get a tumor, it's so hard to bear, give him a tumor. When you kiss me, tumor, when you hold me tight, tumor, oh, oh, Susan. Love you the way I do Cause they don't know how to love you my way Give him a tumor When you kiss me tumor When you own the time Tumor Okay, so um, I, I'm just going to go straight to the point here That a tumor is a, like a growth Or a swelling And I believe that she's discussing a um, What might happen When one gets aroused That there's different parts of the body that Grow and swell. Okay, because she took the the dual entendre of fever and just made it more. Uh, she made it yeah. straight up at you know right, a, right, a, a right. growth, you know, different parts. That sounds of the, good. Uh, that makes sense. What do you think, Tony? Or or, or you could, well, I, or you could sort of say, you know, it's, is that that rimbo, you know, oh, Rimbaudian yeah. right? Kind oh, of like, oh, it could be that too. Yeah, yeah. you know. Right. So I'm looking at it from the American blues musician, you know, lexicon <laughs> perspective. But Rimbo <laughs> could be certainly you could. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, Tony may actually be right. <laughs> now that you think about it, yeah. Um, there are some. There's some cool, again, really cool guitar playing. That's uh, right. This which one. you don't. It's it's just enough so that you. 
it adds this a little uh, interesting quality what, to what's going on to make it different than oh just yeah, this, yeah. W- this woman sort of singing tumor over over a over a, a backdrop. She's got this this yeah. w- get this unsettling little guitar parts going on back there. Right. And and uh, and which, now I'm, we get which I'm guessing puts it, it squarely in the no wave category. Yeah, I, I called. I even called that guitar playing no. I have no idea if it's no wave guitar playing, but that, <laughs> that's what I call it. Um, all right, so now we have another instrumental, and uh, I really like the instrumentals on, on this thing. Very cool uh, bass and uh, guitar interplay on this one. Let's just do a little bit of Aya Mood. Rob and I have um, discussed on often that you, a record can be many things, but unless it has a great drummer on it, it's not going to be great. And I think that this guy's name is what was his name, Jimmy? Jimmy Young. I that, lost you for I lost you for a minute. That's okay. There. I was just saying that Rob and I <clears throat> we talked about you know a great record is never going to be great unless it has a great drummer on it, and the drumming on this record. Provide, yeah, Jimmy Young provides that provides an underpinning for whatever's going on on top of it. That's and the bass playing as well. The um, bass playing, yeah, yeah. The rhythm section really allows whatever you know, all this stuff that's going on on the top of it, the guitars and the the, the vocals, to be um, just to be a lot, you know, to do their thing, and then they're providing exactly. the solid uh, the solid underpinning. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing, you know, that bass line, to me, like, that was one of the things that really pulled me there. This particular bass line was, like, really drew me in because it sort of has sort of a disco, yeah. sort of disco funk feel to it. Yeah. But yet, at the same time, it sort of has this kind of sort of, um, you know, like you said, sort of spy, spy theme. Yeah, yeah. Know? Well, it's that, and, and that, it reminded me again of that, of that Ray Beats record. And, um, yeah. you know, there was also... Um, was that guitar there was a bass player his name was um and he, he, he died george um he died george of a, scott george, george scott. scott right yeah and uh, and uh, he was on I that ray beats record yeah fantastic player he was in a also in a band called the high sheriffs of blue um, oh they were i love the high sheriffs of blue man. right they're great so what rob I'll, I'll clue you into the fact that in in orlando we also had access to um this magazine <laughs> called new york rocker and so a, a lot of what we you know, at least a bumpkin like me knew about this scene or learned from this scene was from you know uh, New York Rocker Magazine, which was this uh, you know this great 
a thing that we I came out once a month and you'd read about all these bands and occasionally you'd get to hear uh, the music that was produced, but it just seemed like this very exotic and very yeah. Um, interesting yeah, that, place. No, that's awesome. Believe me, I give you guys credit that you guys lived in a uh, central Florida and you still acted like you actually had like a music scene there or something like that. So that's like, it's amazing really. Well, was, I guess Tony, yeah, I mean, because sometimes yeah, when things are so sparse, like when you're in your environment, there's like, there's nothing going on. You sort of have to like dig, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. where all the weird, that's where all the weirdos, the cool weirdos end up in places yeah. like that. It's really true, you know, yeah. because it's like, there's nothing else. There's nothing to, uh, you know, there's, you could make uh, Tony made his little trips to New York once in a while, but you know, you had to keep coming back to Orlando. You had to come back to Orlando. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and um, everybody knew everybody. You'd go to a new wave party or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah, you, know, yeah. You knew who was going to be there because right, right. There was Nadim. Oh, there was Nadim. <laughs> yeah, no, there, was, no, but there was actually. What I want to say that there was a record store in Orlando called Record City, and I think you probably oh yeah. And they and, and 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 it was like a fairly large record store, but it was independently owned, and they would get a lot of really decent independent stuff. So you, you yeah, there was a place you could buy stuff. Sure. And yeah, so it was available. You know, it was just a matter of like, are you willing to go and like start to, you know, dig and look into stuff that was not right. sort of the typical radio? Yeah. Well, they had a, the uh, Record City, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, is they had a they had a, a an import singles bin on yeah. the front counter, and so that they yeah. every week there would be a new bunch of singles from England or, or overseas and you can oh, yeah, go up yeah. there and dig through them and pick out something so that's where I heard yeah, Susie right, and the down, Banshees I heard XTC God knows what right. other stuff I you know, REM Record, actually you know the was, first um, REM single um, that was there uh, that was what was up there Record Haven down here in South Florida and uh, Record Land that's why I used to go to the imports and see the imports and see yeah. what the new imports were yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. a lot of my early records were those do you so. remember uh, I want to bring up a record store that you guys probably I don't know you you may remember it was called Open Open Books oh, of course yeah I used to go there in like the early 80s and like he had like Lizzie t-shirts and stuff on, on that it. was yeah. the Mecca yeah that was that was yeah. the Mecca Open Books right. of Records that was sure. Leslie yeah. and her husband what was his name he he moved up to New York and I can't uh, think of his name uh, he came up to New Orleans a couple of times yeah, I can't think of his he name. He moved he's to New still, York and opened um, Ted. He's still, Ted. Yeah, Ted, Ted. Uh, Gottlieb. Ted, Ted Gottlieb. Ted, yeah, that's yeah, why. Yeah. Um, shout out yes. to Open Books and Records. All right, so <laughs> this uh, we have another we have another version of Michelle. I guess we don't need to play the second version, but it's we'll another it quick, version. We'll give it a quick spin. We'll give it thirty seconds. Vibe, here we go. Yeah, here we okay. go. Like, I actually like this one even better. Well, this one, like this one, there's a live, there's a version of her with this band, whoever these musicians are, playing this live on some TV show or some black, in black and white. No, that was it. That was in Hurrah. Oh, that's at Hurrah that in New York. Okay. Yeah. So that, because I can tell that it's a different group than, it's the group that was 
on the hurrah show um, because the they guitar do player is doing that one little weird thing that he's doing in there. That was Jody. That was uh, 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 the guy from uh, the Contortions. But they did a Z night at hurrah. Oh, and that's uh, the okay. guy where Lunch was there and all that. Um, that's um, oh gosh, Jody. Jody um, Harris. Jody Harris. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, at this point, this is where things take off for me more, and I and I like, like I said, the second half of all this, I like a lot more. Well, actually, uh, the original getting... the original record is actually pretty short, as I recall. It's more like right, an EP, right. and all of this stuff is on the a lot of the most of this stuff uh, is on the the re release, which has a tremendous number of extra tracks, and I guess the bonus stuff, yeah. On Spotify, this, and you, Tony, you said this was on her first. Uh, record that came out, or what? yeah, this was uh, this was released on Z. It was called uh, Rosa Yemen. Okay, and that was a, the name of the group, and it was her and I think it was Esteban's brother uh, Michelle, who was playing guitar, rhythm guitar. Okay, it was just her and him. Apparently, they couldn't find a, a drummer, you know, to to right. to play with them. A lot on of this, this is uh, just session. Just, yeah, right, right. All right, so let's listen to uh, this song, which this is this is more of like the weird no wave stuff that I was expecting from this. Yeah. So let's listen to Rosa Bertol. This So any guesses on the lyrics there, anybody? <laughs> I don't know, but I was going to say, uh, you know how a lot of times we either go, things either go back, you either go back to the to the, to the the root, it goes back to the Beatles or the Velvet Underground. And this, I feel, uh, goes yeah. back a little to the yeah, Velvet yeah, Underground. Yeah, yeah, I hear sure. a little uh, Black Angel yeah, death song death, there Yeah, a little yeah. Bit, I, would, I don't think you can dispute that. I think it, right? you're, you're right. absolutely yeah, yeah. right. 100%. Because, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I think that I read that Kale's, uh, labels, what's it called? Spy Records? Yeah, right, that's right. There was a connection between him and Esteban, and, and so... Okay, yeah, because yeah. he put out some singles in there, Rose Garden Funeral of Sores, and uh, some stuff on his own label, and he had that live record, Sabotage, with him with the, with the wearing a right. gas mask on the, and, you know, that was, the, his, he was around in that scene during that time, and I guess... You know, this is also William Burroughs was in was was yeah. there. It was uh, it was a different. It was a, a special sort of time. Quite yeah. a scene. Quite a scene. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I definitely hear. I definitely hear much more of a sort of no wave kind of yeah influence. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and, and with this, with this, with this particular record, and, and uh, when I heard this, I actually didn't hear this until after I heard Press Color. Yeah. So I wasn't even aware of this until probably the year later. I think I, I picked this record up in '80, so I didn't even know about it in '78 yeah. when it came out. Yeah, so. man. All right, so now we got some more cool syncopated instrumentation on this next instrumental. It's called Decryptated.
And I definitely see, Rob, where you could think that Rob Love Tractor, especially on their first record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some this. of that, yeah. Right, right. That's what I'm... Or, yeah, or, but it's just... No, go ahead, Tony. Or, or, or maybe the Feelies, because... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Feelies, I mean, yeah, the Feelies are around in 79. Or, or there was this group called the, the Girls. I don't know if you guys know. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, the Girls, yeah. Yeah, the Girls, Jeffrey, I hear you. So, yeah, yeah there was that same sort of guitar, guitar work on those records. I like but, this but, yeah, stuff. I, and uh, not to be a hater, not to speak ill of the dead, but... I don't miss her singing on these instrumental things. I don't. I don't miss. The, I'm just gonna say. Well, it's just um, you know, her singing is like a. It's not like a. She's. It's like a an instrument. You know, it's like a. Oh, it's yeah, like a yeah, horn yeah, or something yeah, that's in there. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not. She does not is not interested in fulfilling the traditional role of singing songs and providing no, some sort and of. I can respect that. I can respect story that. and uh, uh, and uh, yeah. So speaking of that, now she, we, Lizzie comes back. Uh, now she's going to uh, this. When some of this reminds me of like if it was some kind of weird French avant-garde movie that this was oh, a yeah, soundtrack. Sure. For. And this next sure. one for sure. Uh, it is called. Uh, it is called Herpes Simplex. <laughs> yeah. Herpes Simplex is number one. Herpes simplex virus number two. Desserts. But did I shouldn't get ya? But did I shouldn't get ya? Drag, drag, drag. Beta. Metabolisme. Metabolisme. Absorba. Lips. <laughs> it's an it's an it's sort of an interesting skeleton of a song. You could you yeah, know, yeah yeah you can hear the where the bass and the drums would go in there, but um, right. And I don't have no idea how this relates to the common uh, um, viral recurrent viral infection uh, herpes simplex. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> there's a kind of you're right. There's a very there's very much a skeletal structure. I mean, it's it's sort of like it, it, who knows what they may have come up with this like within a matter of moments. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking was like. I think that's the point, sort of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's well, kind of the point of it. And you know, that's that was really I think you know we talk about what drew me into this record. I mean, you can you can test this, Barry. I don't know, but, but for me, it was like, you know, it was it's like with the raincoats and, you know, yeah. any other bands, Kleenex, Slits, whatever. Sure, yeah, exactly. It was like, you didn't have to, you didn't have to necessarily be a really astute musician. I mean, like, no. you could pick up a bass and start playing and yeah. you could feel the music and, and sort of, and this is the thing that sort of like with these records that sort of drew me in. Was yeah. There was this sort of like, yeah. And just a person, and you know, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm attracted. I'm still attracted to that. Is the the aspect of the non virtuoso picking up? And I'm, in fact, you know, because I can play guitar. Sometimes I found that being able to play actually has gotten in my way. 
and mm-hmm. that having that sort of naive approach to be able to pick up something and just play it and not know what you're playing and just know that it sounds good. That's um, why I never really learned how to play guitar, Barry. That's my secret. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going I'm to call you out and say, you know how to get to play guitar well enough to, I'm talking about a level back, no, I know, know, back, I know. back up a few steps where right. it's, it's someone that just you know, picks it up and um, you know. This, yeah, uh, and this doing is, something that no one, no, no normal musician would do, and that's the real interesting that's a, thing. That's a, a lot exactly of right. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much right. attracted to that. All right. So these next two songs are sort of along the line. You can go. I, I can't make heads or tails of these next two. They're interesting. <laughs> La, La Crosse <laughs> Baron Beek and So Zin Yuzin. So Zin would have added had they had the money or the time you know they probably would have added more to them but it's like you know you get some you have a chance to go in the studio and if it's just you and your 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 partner and um you know whatever you whatever you come up with in in the time you have there that's it you know what's amazing to me about this though i mean think about it like okay so this was recorded in bob blank's studio bob blank was like recording like you know inner life and all these like disco groups and right, he was right. like an accomplished sound engineer and he was willing to you know I don't know if it was because he was willing to do it from Michelle Esteban but they could go in there and, and like they were being treated to like the, the the most amazing you know like one of the best sound engineers that's why in New York. it sounds right that's why it sounds good is because it was recorded by someone who knows what they're doing but yeah, they yeah. you know they show up and be like oh it's what do you you know what are you guys going to do and like I, you know I don't yeah. know we're going to do this uh, can I plug this in here <laughs> they're very rough, they're very much rough sketches yeah I agree with you but yeah. I like her I like her vocal stabs I kind of like me the too. Way she, what she's doing lyrically I mean it's kind of like it's sort of coming out of nowhere and, and I think that's beautiful and you don't really hear that in a lot of uh, no. you know, I, I will say this 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 final one though this uh, the Nina con un 
Tercer Ojo. I actually, this one is Ojo. Pretty. I think it's Ojo. 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 We start in Spanish. We probably end in Spanish, right? <laughs> oh, Nina con un tercer Ojo. That's it. You're right. Well, it, it isn't Pollo. Uh, uh, pollo uh, Tropical. Polo. It isn't uh, Polo. My mom calls it uh, Polo oh, Tropical. Your mom, does that, your, your mom does that too, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guess who's uh, other? Uh, guess whose mom does that as well. This this song is actually really pretty and interesting, and it might be my favorite thing on the record. And not just not because it's the shortest thing on the record, but but it's just I, I actually wish it was longer. But uh, it's it's really pretty and it's interesting. Let's listen to Nina Collins Tercer Ojo. Let's give that a shot. Very good. So yeah. I, I, I do you like to take it. I mean, yeah. that's the thing about this record is that and the interesting thing is it presents itself to you and you have to take what it you have to just deal with what it is. Like it's just kind of it's sort of a mysterious product. And yeah, it's true. you you um you know it, it it can take a while to grow on you, but it's actually quite charming and quite fun and quite a mysterious record to listen to um, mysterious like a mysterious french woman if, if you met a mysterious I, I, french I, yeah, woman one, and then I, her charms were revealed to you and i should but, say uh, there's um there's a few there's a few more tracks on this record and, and tony do you know that the last three tracks where did they come from are they um the birdie num num which we is from the movie the party and then there's a track called Hard Boiled Babe, which is actually... That the track, that's the track that she did with, with Chet Baker, with, uh, with the record with Chet Baker. Oh, well, um, well the Hard Boiled Babe, the yeah, there's one that Patti Smith, yeah. is that the one that Patti Smith is on as well? Yeah, I think so. I'm not familiar with those as, as much, but yeah, it might yeah. have been. Well, the Hard Boiled Babe is where the later, the she's later talking stuff, about like, talking to record executives and talking about yeah. being a whore and how you have to be a whore. And how she's not going to be a whore, and li- she said, "I think that's what, frankly, that's well, exactly what she says." And that's what. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Lizzie. I, I sense that you know. I mean, I, I sort of, I you know, that was the one thing I sort of, you know, I kind of drew from her, uh, from from what my knowledge of her is that she didn't. She she, I guess she compromised in a sense. With the, with the Z with you know the disco track and and, and sure. yeah, Esteban it kind of because he kind of sort of he was kind of groomed her and, and, and you know and it was her mentor I guess and, yeah. and so she kind of did did a little bit of that but I think he gave her some free and he allowed this, the the you know the Rosie Yemen allowed some freedom right and there was some freedom even with 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 press color uh, but yeah I I, I think that. Uh, I don't know much about, you know, Mambo Nassau, I think, was completely her work, and I think it's a brilliant record. I mean, I think it's, I hate, you know, I know we're doing this about Press Color, but I, 
Mambo Nasplash was my favorite record that oh. you did. And, and oh, okay. Well, you, picked that, the wrong, you picked the wrong one, Tony. No, I don't <laughs> think you picked the wrong one. I disagree. On. That's yeah. not the record that got me high because right. uh, right. right. that was, there you go. You know, was really... You know, you know, got me. That's going. the one that got you high. But the, uh, yeah, it is good though. I listen. I was listening to it earlier today, and it is uh, actually really good. So you know, uh, good for her and good for you for exposing. Because I guarantee you, anyone I mentioned this to, do you ever hear of this, bro? No, they never heard of you and you, no. you and whoever you played this record to. That's who heard. Well, of. yeah. There, you know what? That's going to be actually. If I, I can, I think if I uh, share this with Z Records, they'll probably uh, post this. So there you go. We'll get oh. some uh, some. Well, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thanks again for uh, being a guest on our show, Tony. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Tony, thank wonderful thank having you. So much. you. Thanks, Janet. Thanks, Barry. And yeah, uh, once again, I want to uh, welcome our newest patron, Kelly Quadracci, and remind you guys go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. And for as little as a dollar a month, you could support me and Barry. Look at look at us. We're 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 in our we're 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 hobbled in our little (laughs) our little microphones doing this. I'm fully clothed. I'm wearing all my clothes. (laughs) So so you want to talk about you want to talk about what we're going to do next week? uh, Yeah, sure. We got um, our friend Hillary uh, Adocherty is back, And, and she came on. She came on and discussed what was it that. She did one of my favorite all-time artists ever. She did. Uh, <laughs> she did the first Not Two Fighters record, but it was a great. Fighters. It was a great episode. That it was. It was. She's a great guest. She is a great guest, and she. I just happened to mention offhand about uh, the Fiona, the new Fiona Apple, and that I stubborn person I am, because everyone was saying how great it was. That made me not want to listen of to course. it. Of course. Uh, but of course, I, I ended up listening to it, and it is amazing. And yeah. then she she commented, it, "If only she said, I love that record. If if only there was somewhere I could talk about it." Oh well. So we said, "All right." <laughs> so next week we're going to have Hillary Doherty of the uh, the Muck Podcast. By the way, That's she's right. got a great podcast. The, what uh, is the Fiona Apple? record called fetch the uh, bolt, bolt cutters. cutters fetch the bolt cutters great great album title right <laughs> fetch the bolt yeah. cutters and uh also uh, Barry as we mentioned at the beginning of the show we can no longer do our patreon uh contest so we have a social media contest now so that's the winner right. is actually going to be announced today cuz this show will be on out on Saturday and that's where we're going to have the winner but if you follow us on social media, go to Instagram. You can go to at that record got me high on Facebook. It's facebook.com. Uh, that record got me high on Twitter at that record got me high. Follow us on one of those. And this way in future contests, that's where we're going to do it. We're going to do it because it has to be open to everyone. It can't just be to patrons. It's got to be the, the, gotta be open um, to everyone. the uh, prize is a uh, two, two, two album set. Jed Fair, Daniel Johnston, white vinyl. It's, it's spooky. spooky. Oh, it's a great prize. Yeah. So people have been sharing. Uh, all you got to do is uh, share an episode and then uh, do hashtag it's spooky. So that winner will be announced uh, today. We'll let you know on social media and then the next show we'll tell we'll you guys something, who it is. Something, you know, we'll, some beef jerky or something we'll give away. Yeah. Yeah. And also don't forget to go to uh, that Facebook group got me high. Yes. Uh, that a, uh, that a uh, fan of the show put together and it's a really fun uh, Facebook group. Much more fun than our official Facebook group. Yeah, true. Uh, so check that out. Uh, well, you know, they put more time into it than we do. Um, all right, Tony, thanks again for being a guest on the yeah, show. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you, Tony. And thank you all for listening. Once again, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. This is That Record Got Me High. We will see you guys next week. We're out. Yeah.